For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Katie Wu, who covers the St. Louis Cardinals for The Athletic about their three-game series coming up this weekend with the San Francisco Giants. They split a four-game series last weekend in San Francisco, which of course included Willie Mays' birthday, Buster Posey Day, and a farewell from Giants fans to Albert Pujols and Yadi Molina, all things we can talk about with Katie Wu, who joins me next. Today is Friday. May 13th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Katie Wu. She, of course, covers the St. Louis Cardinals for the Athletic. And Katie, is is this year two for you? It seems like it's been longer. It is year two, Copes. I don't know how uh, time both flies and never moves, but yes, year two for me, and it's, it's been just as much as a thrill as year one. Time is a flat circle, I think they say. It's a, it's a, it's a man-made thing, uh, the, the notion of time. But uh, uh, speaking of time, let, let's get into some of that stuff that happened last weekend because Giants are opening up a three-game series with the Cardinals in St. Louis tonight. Last year, they saw each other in St. Louis a little bit later in the season, and that's where, uh, where Logan Webb kind of emerged as the new ace of the staff right after the All-Star break. I want to ask you about, to, about last weekend, though, how you took in Buster Posey Day. You're a Bay Area gal, and it, it was kind of cool for you to be out here covering the, the Cardinals while that went down. What was your take on Buster? Posey Day last Saturday. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that there are things that certain organizations do, certain prolific organizations, especially in baseball, like the Yankees, like the Cardinals, like the Giants that they do. And it is really honor their franchise greats. And I think that the Giants do such a wonderful job in that and not just doing it for Buster Posey, who is by all means an icon in San Francisco. I grew up during the the dynasty era, the even your dynasty. I, I know what Buster Posey means to the Bay Area. But they did it in a way where they honored him appropriately, but they also did it for the fans. And I felt like the fans really got a chance to say goodbye. Because when Buster announced his retirement, I don't really think a lot of people saw it coming. It was, what do you mean? Buster Posey, just he looks great. He had a great 2021 season. He's back. We're going to have him forever. And fans never got to say goodbye. And I think Buster also realized the importance of that. And coming back and, and having a day, you know, Buster's kind of a guy that prefers to stay out of the limelight and out of the spotlight and never likes to talk about himself. But I thought the way the Giants handled it and who they rolled out and who spoke on his behalf and then just the overall atmosphere at Oracle Park was well done all around. Yeah, it's well said because they really do do it uh, as good, if not better, than any organization in all of sports. Keeping the Hall of Famers around, keeping the legends around. You know what I thought was the coolest element, and I wonder if you've got an opportunity to talk to him. It was the uh, the Benji Molina portion because I'm partial to catchers. I've always loved the organization. I've always loved guys like Benito Santiago and Brent Main and oh, Bobby yeah. Estelle, and then of course all the way up to, to Benji Molina, who then handed the torch to Buster Posey. If there was one guy who might have had a gripe with the way the Buster Posey thing went down, it would have been Benji Molina, and he had every right to. They drafted a catcher behind him, a guy who ultimately became the face of the franchise. But Benji showed all of us on Saturday, and the Giants fans got a chance to to hear from him as well, that uh, this wasn't something that totally crushed him, or it's not something that he's carried on with him, at least to this part of his career. H- have you talked to Benji Molina, and what did you think of what he had to say? You know, I've been getting to know Benji Molina quite well for the past year and a half. He's actually the Spanish analyst for the Cardinals radio program. Yeah, right, um, right. So I talk to him almost every day. The love that he has for baseball, for the Giants, for Buster, what you saw there in that ceremony, that was authentic. It's hard-pressed to find someone who appreciates and is as positive about just how much he's done in his career and who he's met than Benji Molina. Um, I I thought he did an incredible job. He was so funny. He said all the right things. And you're right, Copes. He did have a right to hold a grudge. I think it speaks to how high of character Benji Molina is and and the impact Buster Posey had throughout the entire organization and through the city. 
it was really cool. I know he was really excited when the Giants reached out to him and asked him not only to come back, but to speak. He was blown away. He was telling me how much he was looking forward to it in the weeks leading up to the ceremony. And you could tell it just meant a lot to him. And I think, again, that says just so much about both parties involved. It was a really cool moment. Probably my favorite part uh, of that. Besides seeing uh, Brian Wilson, is clearly still the exact same guy he was on the mound based on uh, on the outfit he was wearing. It was really cool Brian to Wilson see has Buster. Better hair or, uh, than me. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> He's, the dude's a nut. I love that uh, you can play an act uh, as a closer on the hill, but the fact that he has embodied that and continued to live his life that way is fantastic. But everything you said about Benji Molina is fantastic. You talked about you know fans getting an opportunity to say goodbye to a player that they didn't get a chance to say goodbye to. One that comes to mind, guy, you're covering in this year and I just think this is the coolest thing and it was a funny element to that Saturday uh, ceremony for Buster because when Buster got to the big leagues in 2009 for the cup of coffee in September and then ultimately has his rookie season in 2010 Albert Pujols had already won like three MVPs he'd made like seven or eight all-star teams Buster's doing his retirement ceremony and Albert Pujols is still in the other dugout in uniform because he's still part of Major League Baseball as a player how cool is it to cover Albert Pujols in the final season of his career and I imagine you're going to get some of these these farewell well, swan songs for him as you, you go through some of the final stops on his career and Yadi Molina's career throughout the rest of this season. It's been surreal, I would say, just because I watched Albert Pujols growing up. I watched Yadi Molina growing up. Those are some of the first baseball names I remember as a child. And of course, I haven't told them this, I, um, but <laughs> it, it's, it's weird for me and in, in the best way to go from watching these guys on TV as a child to walking into their clubhouse and being able to have conversations with them. I've gotten to see firsthand how much Albert Pujols means to the city of St. Louis. He's absolutely just so loved and embraced by this city. Um, the impact that he and Yachty, and I know Adam Wainwright, though he hasn't announced his retirement, he could be coming back, we don't know. But those three have such an impact on St. Louis, and I think it's something Giants fans can appreciate because Giants fans, too, really embody their players and the, the players that make up the organization. So it's been surreal. I mean, obviously, he's not the Albert Pujols of, of the early 2000s, but that's not what the Cardinals need. The Cardinals need the Albert Pujols of now, who can come off off the bench, be kind of a fear power hitter. I don't care who he is. When you see Albert Pujols coming to the plate, you get a little nervous. I mean, he's been such a mentor for these young guys in the Cardinals organization, the new faces of the franchise, because when Yadier Molina and Pujols depart, there will be a new wave of Cardinals. And he's been so impactful and so imperative in their development. And that's been really fun to see both on the field and inside the clubhouse, just how much he's respected throughout the game. What's sort of funny about that is like Buster Posey would have been in middle school or in high school when Albert Pujols made his big league debut, right? He hits 37 home runs and hits over 330 and, and has one of the great rookie seasons of all time. The other guy that comes to mind is Ali Marmol, the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. He's like the same age as Buster Posey. This dude was in middle school when Albert Pujols was taking at-bats against some of the best players in the world. Uh, what have you learned about the Cardinals about a month into the season in Oliver Marmol's first year? Ollie, as, as we know, Cope's the youngest manager in the major leagues, but he has such poise and such an easy-to-understand rationale in, in who he is, and, and that clubhouse really respects that. I mean, what you can get from Ollie, he said from day one, is open communication, and that's not just to a media standpoint. That's through his coaching staff. That's through his players. That's throughout the organization. Ollie's not afraid to speak his mind. He's not afraid to explain his decisions and backtrack, not backtrack, but backpedal and say, no, if I did this, here's what we might have expected. He's not afraid to tone after things if they don't go his way. I remember in a glaring, I don't even want to say glaring because it was mid-April, but a loss where the Cardinals probably could have won the game. He took full responsibility in how he managed the bullpen. And I thought that was interesting because if I was going to analyze the game, I didn't really think it was the bullpen usage that, that lost. 
but he was, was so um, not eager to take responsibility, but felt the need to take responsibility for what went wrong. And I think that says a lot about the kind of leader he is. I mean, this is a different Cardinals team than we've seen before. I think the Cardinals have always been respected for their defense, their fundamentals, how they run the bases, doing the small things, you know, all the things that make up the Cardinal way. And don't get me wrong, Copes, they still do that. But you're seeing with the Cardinals a lot more lineup fluidity. You're seeing more of a roster shakeup. You're seeing the manager not necessarily being married to guys hitting in certain spots. He's not afraid to switch it up. He's not afraid to bench you. And we, the Cardinals saw that, uh, and unfortunately, on Tuesday in optioning their former all-star shortstop down to AAA because he wasn't performing up to expectations. So it's a little bit of a different Cardinals team this year, but it seems to be benefiting them in a good way. Let's talk about that for just a minute. You mentioned Paul DeYoung, the uh, the shortstop of the Cardinals. Starting shortstop for the last several years was optioned down to AAA on Tuesday, and this was a, a big story in baseball just because he was a guy who, I can't remember where he ranked among prospects when he was coming up, but he was a guy who displayed power. We thought he was going to be kind of a, maybe not a five-tool shortstop with the speed necessarily, but a guy who was going to be elite, certainly with the bat, and that's sort of fallen off in the last couple of years, and you bring up a good point that this is modern baseball. If you've got options and you can't help us right now, you need to go get right and we're going to get somebody up here who can help us. So, so what direction do the Cardinals go in, and what does the future hold for Paul DeYoung? Well, the Cardinals are hopeful that by sending Paul DeYoung to Memphis, I mean, this is a guy that's so impactful, especially in the clubhouse to his other teammates. I mean, it was a pretty solemn day on Tuesday when you walked in and Paul DeYoung wasn't in the clubhouse. You know, one of the nicest guys in the room, always eager to talk. The hope for him is that he can go back to Memphis and, and reset, because what's happening with Paul DeYoung is the organization feels like there are just too many voices in his head pointing him in certain directions on how he needs to hit. As we all know, hitting is such takes such a mental dynamic of you to be successful at, and the Cardinals just felt like he was not right mentally. He also didn't like the, they also weren't big on the quality of his bats. They didn't feel like they were improving throughout April. So the hope again is that he can go to Memphis and kind of reset his mindset the demand, the stress, the pressure that comes playing at the major league level. And the Cardinals now will also kind of see who they have internally to fill that role. They have a plethora of middle infield prospects and Brendan Donovan, Tommy Edmond, a 2021 gold glove winner, could slot to shortstop and their top prospect, Nolan Gorman, could play second base. Edmundo Sosa, who was their utility reserve infielder, will see the bulk of starts at shortstop for now. um, And he will have a legitimate shot to win that position outright. But for the Cardinals, they're in a bit of a unique position, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier, of having, for once, an influx of depth at multiple positions that it can allow them to get creative. So I'd expect them to continue tinkering around with their middle infield. Um, and, again, the hope is that Paul Young can enjoy the team, but he's going to spend some time in Memphis to try to figure it out, leaving the Cardinals with an interesting problem on their hand of filling uh, a premier position on the fly. You mentioned uh, the Cardinal way a little bit earlier. My buddy and I used to joke, how do the Cardinals get these guys? They just sort of crank them out on an assembly line. It seems like you need a left fielder, we'll go get you a left fielder. You need a shortstop, we'll get you a shortstop. You mentioned uh, Nolan Gorman, who I saw a bunch of people on Twitter the other day saying, hey, come on down, it's your opportunity now, kid. I was at the game on Sunday for Mother's Day, went with the family and, uh, and had a good time. They did the uh, the sort of video tribute to Albert Pujols and Yadi Molina. I thought that was really cool. But the guy my brother and I were focused on, we were sort of joking because my brother looked up at the lineup for the Cardinals and said, I know the Giants used to have Juan Perez, but who's this guy Juan Yepes? And then he goes yard. <laughs> the guy's hitting 450 uh, midway through uh, through this week. What can you tell me about Juan Yepes? He, he threw just six games and, uh, and just over 20 at-bats. The guy's got 10 hits, as I mentioned, hitting over 400, and he's got an OPS of 1,200. He's been really exciting through his first week or so in the bigs. You know, it's funny. I was listening to Crook and Kipe over the, the series because, you know, when you're in San Francisco, you have to listen to them every now and then. 
And you could just tell they were so over Juan Yepes and because no matter what he did, he, it just seemed impossible to get out. This is a guy yeah. especially <laughs> who look at his story. The Cardinals left him unprotected in their 2020 Rule 5 draft. You know, they didn't feel the need to, to protect him. They were okay if he left for another organization. He slipped through the cracks, somehow remained, and that really set a fire under him. And talking to him over the, the last 12 months, he came out and in 2021 displayed an incredible surge of power that the Cardinals did not know existed and ultimately slugged his way up to being the organization's 2021 co-minor league player of the year. He had a chance to win the opening day roster spot as a right-handed bench bat out of spring training. He faltered a little bit. He also took a stray pitch to the face that set him back a little bit at the plate. His numbers in Memphis where he started the season, the first week, week and a half of the season, were not great because he said he'd get in the box and he'd see a play, a pitch down the middle and he'd back out because he think it was going to hit him in the face again. And then he got back on track and then he started hitting. And this is the guy the Cardinals have been big on since the middle of last season when they realized, oh man, we almost made a hugely detrimental mistake in impossibly letting him go. And, and now he's been, it's not like he's just been a, a roster call-up that fills in when needed. He's been a mainstay in the lineup. He starts every game. He's hitting in a, you know, deep in the order in an impactful spot to drive in guys. And I asked Ollie Marmel, what have you seen from Yepes to lead you to playing him every day? And Marmel said straight up, it's the quality of the bats. I mean, I can play the matchups and that's fine. But at the end of the day, you can't justify taking someone who has this high quality of the bats out of the lineup. So Really great story for Yepes, who's worked in the minors for eight years since he was 16 to get to where he is now and is now looking like it'll be really impossible or really difficult, at least, to send him back down to the minors. Yeah, through just 22 games in, uh, in Memphis earlier this year, as you mentioned, he hit 279, had an OPS of 974, also hit nine homers in 93 at-bats. So just another Cardinal for Giants fans to get frustrated with over the next decade or so. Katie, it's always fun uh, catching up. I always enjoy reading you. It's always fun talking to you, and uh, we'll see you back in the Bay Area sometime soon. Thanks, Cubs. Always enjoy talking to you. Have a good one. Great stuff from Katie Wu. Always getting the perspective of a Bay Area columnist who's now out in St. Louis. Uh, what are the Giants' big rivals? I know we look at the Dodgers, and there's a big rivalry with the Cardinals. I just respect the Cardinals more than I respect the L.A. Dodgers, but Giants and the Cardinals with tons of history going back to the uh, the New York days, and of course, uh, even as recently up until uh, the Giants' world championship runs, having to see them in the postseason. So a couple of names to get familiar with, as I imagine the Giants and the Cardinals will be squaring off again sometime after this three-game series. Thank you to Katie Wu. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. On Monday, we're going to talk to Kenny Caraway, ESPN radio host from up in Sacramento. We'll talk to him about Mike Brown leaving the Golden State Warriors for the Sacramento Kings. That's all coming up next week. Until then, enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.